May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts and minds upon those words be acceptable in your sight, Lord. You're our rock, our crucified, risen, reigning, soon coming again, redeemer. Praise you, Lord. All God's people said, Amen. Ever think about how much Jesus dealt with politics and national issues when he did his public ministry for three years? In all four Gospels combined, covering three years of ministry, Jesus never mentioned the Roman ruler, the Caesar, by name, not once. He was Tiberius, by the way. I had to look it up, because Jesus never mentioned him by name, so I didn't know for sure who it was. In all of his public ministry recorded in the Bible, Jesus mentioned Caesar once. When opponents are trying to trap him regarding the question of taxes, boy, that topic never goes away, does it? <laughs> Jesus said in response to that trap, render unto Caesar the things that belong to Caesar, and to God the things that are God's. He didn't say storm the Bastille or anything else. He just said, give to Caesar what belongs to him, give to God what belongs to him. When Jesus called the disciples, he said, Come follow me, and I'll teach you how to win elections and rule the nations with honor. No, he didn't. He also said, oh, No, no, no. That's not what he said. What did Jesus say? When he called the disciples, he said, Come, follow me, and what? I will make you fishers of men. I'm not saying we should ignore the political process at all. But I am saying, whoever we are, and whatever we are doing in daily life, even if I should happen to be, God forbid, President of the United States someday, even that job, if I'm a follower of Christ Jesus, my first priority in daily life is fishing for people. Doing whatever I can to draw people to Christ Jesus. That's my job. So what's my first priority? Well, Donald Trump is still president, maybe for a few months, maybe for four more years. What's my first priority if he somehow, well, okay, let me back up. What's my first priority for Donald Trump's time in office? Fish for people. Pray for him, yes, fish for people. What's my first priority if he somehow wins another term? Fish for people. What's my priority if Joe Biden wins and ends up in the White House in January? It's nice to have a job description that never changes no matter what is going on in the rest of the world. Everybody say hallelujah. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. Now, now we're getting it. So for the last few Sundays, we've been discovering how God's name, Yahweh, I am, declares that God is always God that God is always present, and that God is, is, and God is present in every circumstance. So as Jesus is adding some kind of descriptors, some adjectives to this name Yahweh, he's doing that in the Gospel of John. Every now and then, he'd pop up and say, I am the bread of life, like last Sunday. And he'd go. So he, he's adding depth and richness and beauty to this Yahweh name, because Yahweh is the foundational thing. God is I am. He's always God. He'll, he has always been God. He'll always be God. He's God in the present, and he's always present. 
and he's God in every circumstance you and I can experience. There is no circumstance you can experience where God is not there administering in that moment. That is really good news to me. So let's see if I am, Yahweh, is able to be God for a man born blind. And then we're going to make some connections to our our week this week in America and where we're standing today. John chapter 9, verse 1. That's where we're going to start. Now, just to give you a little teaser, the I am Yahweh statement doesn't happen until chapter 10. Now, we're not going for a two-hour sermon here. We're going to pretty much skate through the story in 9, but we have to understand the setting of what happens in 9 to understand why the Yahweh I am name in chapter 10 speaks to the man in chapter 9. Okay? Chapter 9, verse 1. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You see, that sounds that's hard, sounds harsh, right? But they were taking that. The rabbis took that from the Old Testament where it says, the sins of the fathers we pass on to the third and fourth generation of those who hate God. So they took that, that truth and grappled with it and came up with some, some doctrine, some teachings about God and sin. And so when you're born with a, a physical deformity, then they were pointing to that passage from the Old Testament saying, oh, somebody in your family tree sinned. Or maybe you, maybe you sinned in the womb, even the rabbis said. But it was because of sin that people were being born with birth defects, they said. So the disciples are just running with that. They say, Rabbi Jesus, who sinned? We're just curious how this works. Was it this man in the womb? Did he sin? And that's why he was born blind with no eyes at all? Or did his parents biff it that he was born blind? Who blew it? Because this is a pretty devastating circumstance. Because he's born blind, he's not employable in that culture ever. They didn't have special programs and stuff for him. So for the rest of his life, he sits somewhere, usually in the proximity of the temple, one of the gates, maybe along the path of a busy pathway in town. And he would, as he heard someone approaching, he'd say, alms for the blind, alms for the blind. And once in a while, somebody drop a nickel in his cup. That's how he made his living. Because of his deformity, not allowed to go into the temple. Not allowed to worship God there. Because of his deformity, all of Israel believes that either he sinned in the womb or his mom and dad are a mess and that God is judging him and the family. Do disciples care about this man as an individual, as a person? Not so much in the moment. You know, they're, they're loving guys. They would have gotten around to it, I'm sure. But in the moment, he's a curiosity. Who, who sinned, Jesus? That uh, it was a him in the womb or his parents? That he was born blind. Verse 3, Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents. Now we could go into a, a whole other wonderful sermon here. I think it was wonderful. But... This is the because of the curse of the fall. This is because of Adam and Eve's sin and all of our sin. It's not specific. It's just the fallen nature of what we're wrestling with. It's not this man's sin or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. 
Wow. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Who sent Jesus? The Father. He says, we've got to do what the Father sent me to do while, while it's day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Now, then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Now, Jesus healed a lot of different amazing ways. This is one of the more outlandish. But what did God make Adam out of? Out of the soil, right? Out of the clay. And so this man was born, his, his eyes were literally missing, had no eyes. And so what does Jesus do with this healing miracle? He, some of the soil that was missing in a sense, and he added his own spittle to it, worked it up, and put it in. He was basically creating eyeballs for this man. Love this. So he spits in the ground, made mud with the saliva, anointed the man's eyes, said, go wash the fool of Siloam. He asked him to take a step of faith. If you're blind and you need to go to the other side of town to wash in a pool, there's lots of pools. He could have washed anywhere. Could have washed, you know, five feet away maybe. Jesus says, go to the other side of town and wash in this particular pool and then you'll be able to see. He asked, he asked this man to take a step of faith. So he went to the pool of Siloam and he washed and he came back, say it with me, seeing. Jesus gave him eyeballs and they worked and he could see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, isn't that the guy that used to sit and beg over there, the blind guy? Some said, yeah, it is him. Others said, no, but it looks a lot like him. Can you just see the conversation going on? He kept saying, I am the guy. Come on, you guys. You know it's me. I am the man. Verse 10. So they said to him, then how are your eyes open? Dude, you were born that way. There was nothing there. Empty sockets. How is this possible? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. <laughs> says, what do I know? I was blind. I went to the pool. I washed. Now I see. I come back here to, my, to where I've spent my whole life. I don't know where he's at. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Oh, here we go. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Ah, oh, now we're in big trouble. The Pharisees were religious uh, hoity-toities. And they, they, their, their hugest thing was Sabbath day. They added six. How many, how many laws does God have about Sabbath day? One, honor it. Remember it and honor me with that Sabbath day. What did the Pharisees do? They added over 600 interpretive laws to how to keep the Sabbath. They're the ones that said, you can walk 1,000 steps, but if you walk 1,001, that's work and you've sinned. I mean, that kind of stuff. So Jesus does his healing on the Sabbath. They have, they have rules for doctors. Doctors, you can't treat, you can't see patients unless it's a life-threatening situation. Is this guy's life in danger? No, he's just blind. Been blind for his whole life. Was it an emergency situation? No. 
So from Pharisees' perspective, Jesus sinned by breaking the Sabbath. So the people, like, we better hold you down to the Pharisees and see what's what with this. They brought to the Pharisees the man who formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made them let and opened his eyes. Everybody say, uh-oh. Everybody say, uh-oh. uh-oh. So the Pharisees again asked him how he received his sight. He said to them, he put mud in my eyes and I washed and I see. It's pretty basic, right? <laughs> Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Speaking of Jesus, he can't be from God. He's not keeping our Sabbath rules. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? Fair point. There was a division among them. Now, no, there were, there were a few Pharisees who were believing Jesus. Nicodemus was working at it. Joseph was working at it. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he's a prophet. You can see faith growing in this man. But first thing he says, I don't know where he's at, but, but he's, he's the guy that did it. And now he's, he's like, you know what? The more I think about it, the more I ponder it, he's got to be from God. Only God could do something like this. I think he's a prophet. Verse 18, the unbelieving Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? <laughs> Have you been... You've been uh, lying to us all this time. How then does he now see? Explain it to us. Verse 20, his parents answered, we know that this is our son. We recognize him and that he was born blind. We were there when it happened. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. We weren't there, you guys. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, Messiah, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Now, folks, that means a whole lot more than you just can't come to worship anymore. To be put out of the synagogue is formal language for barred from the synagogue. Your whole family is supposed to disown you and have nothing to do with you anymore. And no good Jew in the nation is supposed to give you a job. Were the parents scared spitless in this situation that their whole life was going to get trashed because their son had gotten healed on Sabbath by this Jesus guy. So they so they backed off and they, they threw their son under the bus. That's what they're doing here. Oh, don't ask us what's going on here. Talk to him. He's an adult. He can answer for himself. Verse 24. So for the second time, they called a man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. In other words, speak the truth or you're in trouble. We know that this man, they can't even bring themselves to speak Jesus' name, amen? We know that this man is a sinner. Really? He answered, so the blind man, who now sees, I wish we'd give him his name. <laughs> the former blind man says, whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. That's what I've got to work with. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I've told you already, and you wouldn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? 
do you also want to become his disciples? I'm liking this guy more all the time. <laughs> and they reviled him. Now they're ticked off. You are his disciple, but we, we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, Jesus, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. Listen to this guy. He's been sitting begging for alms by the road his whole life. Has he learned some theology along the way? Hallelujah. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Listen to this. Say it with me. Say it with some poem. Verse 32. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. How much more Jesus God power do you need? If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Sorry you guys are in a tough spot with your Pharisee Sabbath rules. But you're messing with God here. They answered him, you were born in utter sin. Remember their, their doctrine? Would you teach us? And they say with me, cast him out. What did they just do to him? They barred him from the synagogue. They barred him from his family. They barred him from ever getting a job from a God-fearing Jew. Tough day, right? Get your sight. Lose what could have been a wonderful brand new life. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. Having found him, Jesus goes looking for him. Is he going to leave him in that desperate situation without a word? No. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. Having found him, Jesus said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You've seen him, buddy. It's he who is speaking to you. Right here. I came looking for you because I heard they kicked you out. I'm not going to leave you, stranger. You're talking to the side. Want to meet this guy in heaven, don't you? Tell us about that moment. What's he say? He says, Lord, I believe. And then he worshipped him. Got down right there in his knees. Worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see. And those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind then? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. You go back to the dialogue, the Pharisees said over and over, we know this, we know that, we know this, and they were wrong every time. 
They claimed to be seeing and knowing all things and, and at God's right hand, and they were wrong. And Jesus said, you're blind, and you're refusing to see. I can't heal your blindness because your pride, your hardness of heart, and your rejection of me will not allow me to heal your blindness. So your guilt and your sin remains. And this is one of the scariest things for us to ever experience in relationships with other people. When you bump into people that are this hard of heart and think that they, they have a clue about what it means to walk with God, it's frightening. Now I know in our Bibles, they put helpful things in here all the time, and so so chapter 9 is done. The story of the blind man being healed is done. And we have some white space. And then we have, I am the good shepherd, and a great big number, black number 10. Folks, we need to kind of remove all that stuff and just keep on rolling because chapter 10, the first 15 whatever verses, has to do with the healing of blind men. So Jesus has just responded to the Pharisees saying, now that you say we see your guilt remains, and then he continues in that moment. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, I don't know how to do it in American right now English, but Jesus is saying, look at me. Would you look me in the eye and listen? I'm telling you God's honest truth. That's what he's doing here. Truly, truly, I say to you, he's talking to the Pharisees. Yes, the blind man healed is there, and there's others in the mix too, but he's talking to the Pharisees. He says, listen to me, I'm telling you God's honest truth. I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Now, Jesus uses these stories all the time to help people process stuff and figure things out. And to, if somebody is not a heart right with God, they don't get it. And it keeps worrying on them and they keep losing sleep over it. Jesus told it that on purpose to help them lose sleep and keep wrestling with it in hopes that their hearts might be softened and reached. He just called them thieves and robbers. He, Jesus just said, you're trying to get into God's kingdom by making up your own rules and doing it your own way. And you're a thief and a robber because you refuse to do it God's way, and I am God's way. Truly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. This is fascinating stuff. So in that, in that area of the world, in this time period, maybe some still today, um, they would have a, a safe place for lots of sheep at night, right? And multiple 
multiple um, flocks would come to that sheepfold every night with multiple shepherds. The shepherds actually named their sheep. Those sheep knew their name, knew their shepherd's voice. So in the morning time, it was time to go out and feed and water the flocks. The shepherds would literally call to their sheep by name. They'd all come over to master shepherd and then they'd go out to for the day. So if another shepherd tried to use the names of a competing shepherd to call his sheep, the sheep would actually freak out, panic, and run because they didn't recognize the voice. They heard the name, didn't recognize the voice, and they would flee and panic. Isn't this fascinating? And this door thing, there was one entrance and exit to the sheepfold. And when all the sheep were in for the night, the last shepherd in would, lay, would literally lay down and be the door of the sheepfold. Nobody gets in or out unless they step over that shepherd. He is literally the door. So Jesus tells this beautiful figure of speech, and they're kind of like, huh? So verse 7, so Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, listen to me, God's honest truth. I'm going to explain it to you now. Truly, truly, I say to you, say it with me out loud, strong. I am the door of the sheep. I am as Yahweh. He says, listen to me, I'm telling you the truth. I am God. I'm Yahweh. I'm the Lord. I am. I am the door of the sheep. I meet you guys. Now we go back to chapter 9, and who did who did Jesus, the door of the sheep, just welcome brand new into his sheepfold? The guy that used to be blind. And who was yelling at Jesus the whole time and trying to climb over the fence and get in themselves a different way the whole time? The Pharisees. And so Jesus is standing here, he's going, seriously, let me make this clear for you. This man that you said was born a sinner and you just cast him out of the kingdom for the rest of his life, he belongs to me and to God and he's in the sheepfold. And you guys, unless you repent and change and come through me, you're going to hell. I am Yahweh, the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door, Yahweh door. If anyone, say this with me, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Folks, there's golden gospel. Put it on your refrigerators for a while. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. If anyone, a guy born with no eyeballs, that you were convinced his parents had sinned and he had sinned and would, he would never step foot in the temple his whole life. That guy that you thought was unsavable, I just saved him because he came in by the door. Say hallelujah. Okay, this morning, who are you thinking in your brain is unsavable? Somebody who is hardcore opposite of you politically. Are you thinking this morning they're unsavable? Hardcore socialist, communist, whatever it is. Have you decided they're unsavable? You're not going to love them? You're not going to pray for them? If you have an opportunity, you're not going to tell them about Jesus? 
if you dare. Everybody in Jerusalem would have said this, this blind man by the road was unstable, except Jesus. The disciples had a, a curious dis, a question. Who, who biffed it, this guy, in Jesus' life? No, this is not a statistic. This is not a theological. This isn't a seminary applied question. This is a man. I'm going to save him forever right now. If anyone enters by me, he'll be saved. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and, steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, some are really we're struggling this week. And, and if I asked you, I said, are you living the abundant life today? A lot of us would be like, Oh, well, okay, step back a little bit then, please. We still have abundant life in Christ today. If we'll keep our focus where it should be. Does I came that might have life and have it abundantly. Say this verse, verse 11 with me out loud. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. We get two Yahweh's. In the same little teaching moment, two, Yahweh the door, Yahweh the good shepherd. In this moment, in this circumstance, for this blind man who had no hope in the world for this life, no hope for the next life, Jesus introduces himself to this man as Yahweh door and Yahweh good shepherd. Because how does Jesus provide good door saving power for this man? By laying down his life. Jesus laid down his life for a man born without eyeballs. That everybody thought was unsavable. Jesus laid down his life for him. He laid down his life for you. He laid down his life for every person on the planet, no matter how wicked or messed up. And he offers himself and his sheepfold. But he's, he's, he's clear because it's the only way. If you truly love somebody, you tell them the truth. Amen? He says, here's the truth. You want to be in my sheepfold where there's abundant life and I provide for you forevermore? You've got to come through me. It's the only way. And for you and I, Varying levels of struggling today, or excited today, I don't know. What do you and I need today? I need to know. I need to know that I got a really good shepherd. And that I know his voice. And every morning he's going to call me out of bed. He's going to call my name. He's going to say, I got some stuff for us to do today. I'm going to feed you today. I'm going to bring you some, some fresh, tasty water today. We've got some ministry to do today. Maybe we got a, a guy born blind today that we're going to bring good news about. Whatever. But I need to know I've got a really good shepherd who laid down his life for me and that I can listen to his voice today. I can follow his voice today. And I can know that as I follow his voice, he's going to take care of me. He's going to guide me, lead me. His rod and his staff are going to comfort me. 
and I'm going to make it through the day because I'm walking with my shepherd. And tonight, he's going to bring me to a place of safety in his fold, and nobody can mess with this door. Is he be Yahweh? I am. And there's nobody messing with Yahweh. So Jesus be the door. You got to have him. And he's the good shepherd. If you want abundant life, even today and even with what's coming, <laughs> I don't care who's in the White House in January 21st or whatever, rougher stuff is coming. You got to have good shepherd now. Don't wait another day. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen.